Hi, I'm Meredith. And I'm Katie. And you're listening to I'm Not Scared, You're Scared. A horror movie podcast. If you are a fan of the show, please like and follow us on iTunes and Spotify and review us. It'll help spread the word. Also, you can follow us on Instagram at I'm Not Scared, You're Scared or email us at I'm Not Scared, You're Scared at gmail.com. joining us we are here to talk about the grudge and and just so you know we barely know what we're here to talk about tonight <laughs> Shh. we're we're hanging on by a thread people <laughs> don't don't tell them that we're just exhausted yeah no i'm letting them in behind the scenes yeah um i mean that's what happens in the early september of a school teacher everyone's just like barely hanging on yeah. For dear life. Yeah. Stringing things together <laughs> yeah. one one moment to the next. Yeah. But we're talking about the 2020... Remake. Uh, remake. Well, well, it's not a remake. Sequel-ish. It's, it's kind of happening alongside... Adjacent. The, um, 2004 Sarah Michelle Gellar, uh, The Grudge. Uh-huh. But um, we can get into it. But first... We want to know, Katie. Actually, I feel like I haven't seen you in ages. It does feel like um, that. I think it's been new- a week. <laughs> no, no, it's been a week and a half. Ah! <laughs> uh, what's new with you? Um, well, school. Um, yeah, unfortunately, I, mean, I, I like school, but I'm, I'm tired. <laughs> yeah, um, this this year's is pretty great for me. Um, you know, regular listeners know the nightmare class that I had for the past two years, and did they leave? Uh, well, they're in seventh grade now, so I do not teach them. They're still at the school. Uh, <laughs> Cause in trouble. Yeah, uh, they are. No, they absolutely are. The I have been called a saint on multiple occasions by the two seventh grade teachers already this year, um, knowing that I had this class for two years in a row. Um, <laughs> but uh, my my personal homeroom class this year is wonderful, is wonderful and lovely and amazing and adorable and they make my life easy and the uh, truly like I can't believe that the school year is uh, going by as quickly as it is because I have my little like countdown blocks that were like a gift from the family when I got the job um, where you know you like rotate it and it can be like days until or hours until or right now it's weeks until fall break because like our first big chunk is up till Thanksgiving break and so it started at 13 and it's already at 10 which like yeah. seems crazy like in just a week it'll be single digits and it just yeah. feels like it's going really fast and I think part of that is because um it's not it I, it doesn't feel as life and death as it did with the previous group yeah like I'm I'm able to be more thoughtful about what I'm doing and stay ahead of the game occasionally because I'm not constantly putting out fires and not you know hand holding and walking certain students through everything every moment of the day mm-hmm. um and so it's actually been pretty lovely in that That's way good. Yeah. It's good to get your sweet baby angel class. That's what I call it. Sweet baby angel. Yeah. Yeah. And I can already tell, though, because like this, you know, at our school, it's like, oh, you know, every other class is difficult. And so the one that I have in my homeroom now is supposed to be one of the easy years. But then I also have the the grade behind them, um, this year's current fifth graders, um, just for literature. So I see that class, those classes, you know, once a day, just for a 45 minute literature class. And I can tell I was like, 
Oh yeah. I mean, they're no nightmare class like I, you know, had before, but there there's definitely I'm like, "Oh, you guys are a little bit of trouble. You little you little, little scamps. Little bit of trouble here. Might have to crack some skulls." <laughs> you are going to get the horns. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Horns. But yeah, I mean, I think that that's, you know, unfortunately like kind of our our reality now that the school year started that there's not a lot else going on for us other than yeah. that so it's hard to say like what hopefully occasionally we'll have something fun on a weekend um, yeah. to yeah. share but other than that that's that's what's new with me what's new with yeah. you same I'm sorry I'm boring but <laughs> we'll be boring together I know um I mean I'm teaching first this year uh it's been um I mean, the kids are really sweet. They're they're trying their hardest, but always at the first like handful of weeks is it's tricky, like sort of going through of um, rituals, routines. This is how we do things. This is where things go. These are the expectations. Yeah. This is what I want. Um, this is how we treat each other. This is how we act in the classroom. Mm-hmm. And uh, <laughs> a few days ago, or when was it? I was like. Okay, we all know how we act in my class. And this is how I talk. Mm -hmm. We all know what my expectations are, what I would like in our classroom, or uh, how we treat one another. Um, So moving forward, I will be giving you, I'll be saying your name if you are not following directions. And I'll say, okay, that's once. And then if they continue mm-hmm. on the fourth time, you will lose fun Friday minutes or Chromebook minutes, things that they like high value right. things. Yeah. yeah. Um, minutes, nothing crazy. Mm-hmm. But um, so I was like, just so you know, I will write your name down and you will lose a few minutes. And that's how it's going to go. Yeah. And they're like, oh, okay. yeah, this so, whole concept of consequences. Yeah. I mean, it can be all roses and carrots and stickers and fun I'm sorry did you time. say carrots carrots roses like, and carrots like carrots like here's a carrot here like oh. do what I want you to do for Jesus, me Jesus I thought you were just like listing things that small children love and I'm like what the fuck are you talking about they love carrots they're like little rabbits <laughs> they fucking love carrots <laughs> you seen the meat that shit no so I was just like this is what's gonna happen okay yeah. and and so I mean I I mean it's just how it is right as a, as a teacher of slightly older children, I appreciate you doing that because mm-hmm. I think that myself and colleagues at the around the same level definitely recognize um, in kids a real like not a, not a real underst- understanding of consequences. Mm-hmm. And it's because we've moved away from that in a lot of schools toward, you know, like a restorative attitude, a teaching attitude that's very holistic. It's very healthy. It's very good for their um, their social emotional development, their their mental emotional health and all those things. But at the same time, they they start to perceive their environment as being one where they can kind of do whatever they want. Nothing that bad will actually really happen. Right. So why exhibit self-control? Right. Why stop myself from doing the thing that I want to do, even though I know I'm not supposed to do it? Mm-hmm. Because there are no real consequences. And the consequences that are offered are often something where they're like, yeah, I can live with that. I'm fine. Right. You know, and that might happen. And, you know, so I have a lot of things that are rewards and participate, you know, helping each yeah. other. You get different things. And in our classroom, we you have get carrots. You get your carrots. <laughs> and... um and that feels good, right? Yeah. So I have to say, like, kind of my, the way I am in my classroom, I never, like, sometimes I do have to raise my voice just to talk over everyone. But like, okay, I'm raising my voice because you are not hearing me. And it's very, but most of the time I'm talking like this in the classroom. Yeah. And I'm saying, if you cannot hear me, you're being too loud. Right. 
It's uh, that, that whole, if you can hear my voice, put your hand on your head. If you can hear my voice, stick your finger in your nose. <laughs> sort of stick it right up there. So, I mean, it is what it is. And they'll lose minutes or they'll, they'll say think, okay, I probably won't want to do that. But I'm very... I'm pretty lenient, of course, because they're, they're six. Yeah, so, um, they, they you are. Know, but there's also has to be kind of boundaries and what you can, what's okay, and mm-hmm. being disrespectful or whatever doesn't work for me. And I will send no home or whatever. Yeah. So they Well, kinda, it's, it's setting know. them on the path that we want them to go toward, like having our expectations be reasonable for their age, but also knowing what where we want them to be growing toward. Definitely. And, yeah. And, and I convey that for sure with the, with the parents, too. I, I'm like, I don't expect little robot children no. so that's impossible i expect everyone to, they're humans to come, they have feelings they come have reactions with, exactly come with um you know i'm going to come show up with integrity i'm going to try my best i'm going to be thoughtful to my peers and if i don't quite reach that mm-hmm. i will come again tomorrow and try try again so so this is our new teaching, teaching podcast. podcast we're so glad you tuned in there you go. Today's episode is all about behavior management. Thank behavior you for joining us. Procedures, rituals, and routines. <laughs> How they vary all from the age buzzwords. groups. <laughs> Shall we talk about visible learning? <laughs> visible learning. Let's not. What's your formative assessment approach? Oh, Jesus no, I'm kidding. Christ. Okay, let's move on. Yeah, please do. Movies. You did the synopsis. I did. Um, and I got to say, Do you need out a the light gate, on? Really uh, no, I, I like okay. this dim setting. I'm like, I can't see anything. <laughs> That's so okay. Dark. I'm over it's here. It's so dark. Um, uh, I have to say, after this experience, I'm going to declare, not suggest, that in the future, neither of us should agree to be the one writing the recap for a movie we have never seen. What's the fun in that? So here's the thing. You, then you are making it necessary to watch it twice. Because what I realized was that, so I had never seen, I'd never seen the, the Sarah Michelle Gellar grudge. I've, I've never seen the Japanese original. I had never seen the one from 2004 and I had never seen this new one from 2020. And so I sat down to watch it, but I also had my laptop out so that I could be typing the notes for my synopsis and everything. But when I'm writing my synopsis, I'm like pausing the movie constantly and like, you, you know, writing so a little bit like and starting it and backing it up and it, experience yeah and, uh, you do not natural you not you don't invest in the experience and i realized about i think i made it into about like eight or nine minutes into it and it you know it already paused it a dozen times at that point and oh. i was like you know what i'm not i'm not going to be able to say whether or not i thought this movie was scary if this is how i'm watching it that and makes so sense. i i stopped <laughs> do working on my recap at that point and then just committed to watching the rest of the movie without notes and then going back and rewatching it to complete the recap. And that's what I did. And it was fine. Um, but I think that in the future, unless neither of us have seen the movie, then, yeah, um, yeah. you know, who, the person who's seen the movie should be the one writing the recap because then you're rewatching it and it's not a big deal to be taking notes because you already have your perception of it that you got from seeing it previously. I'm just yawning really big for everyone at home. Yeah, it was adorable. <laughs> Um, that's okay. not, that's in no way reflecting what you said. Yeah, no, I'm so boring. And this is, oh. this is why my, my students act up and talk in class. 
because I'm so boring. Um, okay. <laughs> Give them carrots, Katie. <laughs> I don't. I don't have enough carrots in my classroom. Um, okay, so this um, grudge movie came out in 2020. Um, I highly associated it with John Cho just from the little snippets that I'd seen on streaming services and things like that. He's not not one of the primary characters. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, he's he's important to the story, um, but other than him, there weren't really a lot of performers that were recognizable. Except for Lin Shay, mm-hmm. which I, I will mention when we get to Lin Shay. But other than that, it was it was a the, lot. The female detective was in Mandy, and she's actually in a lot of things. Oh, really? I, I didn't recognize. I mean, I've seen Mandy, I but think, only only that one time in uh, here. I could be just completely maybe uh, you're John full of Carpenter, shit. John Carpentering. Yeah, you are. Okay, well, you can look that shit up as, while I begin. But um, basically, I mean, it was a strong cast, great performances all around, but um, not a lot of recognizable faces. Um, so it opens with city scenes in the title card um, that says 2004 Tokyo, which incidentally is where the events in the Sarah Michelle Gellar grudge movie occurred. Um, a woman is leaving a house. She's making a phone call that she can't continue with a Mandy. job that is yeah, at the house. she was in Mandy. Okay. She was in Mandy. Just so you know. Thank God. Well, she's freaking awesome. I love she was. That, no, I need it. I should re-see. re see Rewatch re-see that it. movie. No, because we, we watched that. That was one of the ones we watched in here one night. I like a bunch of people piled in your bedroom. And we were and just like, like freaking out at how insane shit. it was. <laughs> yes. Um, anyway, so we have this woman leaving a house in Tokyo, um, making a phone call that she can't continue with the job that she's been doing at the house. The call fails um, and she notices that a nearby trash bag is seemingly breathing. Then over her shoulder, we see a girl hovering behind her who has dark hair hanging in her face, very like ring-esque. Um, her mouth open, making what I put as a troubling sound, but it, it was the one thing without having seen any of these movies that I was already aware of as being an element of this story. And it's like, Ah. Yeah, it's the croaking. Yeah, croaking voice. yeah, that noise. So mm-hmm. this apparition behind her is it has her mouth open, making that noise, um, and then an arm bursts from another trash bag and grabs the woman's ankles. Um, but then the next moment, everything seems normal, and she rushes off. Um, so then she arrives home to Cross River, Pennsylvania, and her loving husband and little girl. And then I wrote, "All is well." The end. Oh, that's great. She was like, you know what? Something's wrong here in Tokyo. I'm heading back home. And it worked. I'm going to bring some crazy shit with me. (laughs) JK. So next, um, there's text on screen. And this is um, aligns with the text that opens the um, 2004 movie as well. Uh, It says, when someone dies in the grip of a powerful rage, a curse is born. It gathers in the place of death, but cannot be contained. Once you encounter it, it will never let you go. And then it gives us the the title of the grudge, which is also usually aligned with the Japanese characters for Juan, which is the Japanese uh, title of the original movie in the word or the phrase the grudge, I guess. I don't speak Japanese. I know it shocks you. I don't either. Yeah. So. So next we're in a different house um, in the year 2006. Uh, a mom and a son are having a tender moment over missing dad who we can speculate has died. Um, and, and the mom and son have moved to this new place. Uh, her name is Muldoon. She's a cop starting at a new precinct. And she's paired with a grizzled old detective Goodman as her new partner. Uh, we learned that her husband did die of cancer three months ago and quote, the kid was alone with him when he died. So we know that these two have experienced a significant trauma with that. A lot and, of grief. Yeah, yeah. Are starting, are trying to start over in this new place. The first I, outing together. Damien Bashir, before I to interrupt really quick, he, he was in The Nun. 
Oh, um, shit. He was the priest. He was the priest and the nun. Mm-hmm. He's in a lot of stuff, and um, I think he's from... Yeah, he's from Tiron, Mexico. I don't, mm-hmm. I probably butchered that, but he's in a lot of stuff. Like, um, I want to say... Yeah, definitely the nun, a lot of shows and movies mm-hmm. and stuff. So. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the part where uh, Meredith oh, makes me look like a eight. fucking liar for saying that none of these people are recognizable. <laughs> he's, a, he's in the Hateful Eight. Oh, okay. Also. Okay. Um, a lot of stuff where you'd be like, oh, I know his face. That's yeah, it. Yeah, see, and he didn't, his face did not look terribly familiar to me, and it should have from the nun. I've seen the Hateful Eight a couple of times, but I could right. see not recognizing him from that, but I should have recognized him from the nun. Yeah, yeah. I like him in that one, too. So. Yeah. All right, continue. All righty. <laughs> so Muldoon and Goodman um, are out on the streets in their detective role, um, and they head to a crime scene in the woods uh, where a nasty semi-mummified corpse has been found sitting in an abandoned car that has been there clearly for months. Uh, The corpse is ID'd as someone named Lorna Moody, who was a woman sought by the FBI for performing assisted suicides. And there was directions in the glove box to an address that she evidently was going to for that purpose. And a cop at the scene notes that it's, quote, the same place as the Landers case, which for Goodman, that's like... Like, definitely. um, Yeah, he reacts noticeably to that location. Um, But when Muldoon asks him about it, he kind of brushes it off and he says it's a case he worked two years ago. um, And it's just a coincidence. Mm -hmm. But he's he's definitely, like, rattled by it. Yeah. So later, Muldoon uh, Googles the story, finds out that it was a situation of a family murder-suicide, a mom, a dad, and a daughter. Um, and police files that she looks at later show us that the mother was our woman who came home from Tokyo in the opening scene. So mm-hmm. she came home from Tokyo, and then at some point after that, fucking killed her family and herself. Oh, it's probably a coincidence. Yikes. It's probably not related. Zoinks. Um, Muldoon's told by another cop that when Goodman worked the case that he never stepped foot inside the house. So, of course, she goes there. Uh, there's a. This is probably, in my opinion, like one of the two top creepiest scenes in this movie. Um when yeah, she, it's crazy. yeah, so she goes to this house, which is like you know, kind of the the center of the story. This one house, um, and she meets the resident, Mrs. Matheson, who is played by our beloved, beloved Lynn Shay, um, who you know, she hasn't really. It seems like she hasn't aged in the past twenty or thirty years. Like she pretty much looks the same. Yeah, <laughs> she looks the same. Like she, it's not like she still looks young, but she looks the same age as she did in like uh, Kingpin, or yeah. or there's something about Mary. And maybe they were aging her in those movies, and they're not now. I don't know, but she's she's incredible. So um, she is Mrs. Mrs. Matheson, who has oopsie chopped her own fingers off. Um, yeah, and she's like, I'm really, I'm so hungry. And you're like, oh my God. Yeah, she like, goes, how he long used I'll... to feed me. Can you feed me? How long have you been here alone? Jesus. Yeah. And so Muldoon is approaching the situation like she's discovered a woman in distress and she needs help. And then she sees that that she has chopped off her own fingers and she's, you know, running out to get help and then discovers the decomposing corpse of Mr. Matheson in a lazy boy. <laughs> Who's Barney from Hannibal or um, Silence of the Lambs? No. Yes. Really? Yep. I looked him up. I was like, that guy's face looks familiar. He's wow. the Barney. <clears throat> your your reign of terror continues on my statement that I'm there's no recognizable of, people in this of, movie. God damn you, Meredith. <laughs> I'm full of facts that, does, that don't matter. 
Yeah. <clears throat> but the the whole scene with Lin Shay is is creepy and gross and upsetting and scary yeah. and just really, really well done. Um, and then ultimately Muldoon is out of the house to her, her car and calling in for, you know, obviously for police backup and ambulances she's, and all that. She's keeping it. I mean, she's a, a detective. She's obviously seen things, but you can tell she's pretty yeah. rattled from and, this. It, and she kind of, she irks a little bit yeah, after she like, makes it. Oh my God. Okay. Um, and so driving that night, uh, Muldoon, she veers off the road when a girl appears ahead of her in the road. But of course, after she, you know, the car stops, the girl's gone. Uh, she then arrives at Goodman's house um, where she was headed. And she tells him that there has been another body at the Rayburn house. So Rayburn is the street yes. that this other house is located on. So they refer to it as that. Um, she asks Goodman why he never went into the house during the Landers case. He's and like, he, that place is fucked up. He's like, <laughs> I mean, did you see the place? Um, he says that it just never, quote, felt right. Uh, yeah. And that his old partner, Wilson, um, was obsessed with the house and with the Landers case. Um, and Wilson said that there were spirits in the house. So Goodman is telling Muldoon all this now. Um, so this is the point where we start time hopping in the movie. Yeah. And so yeah. you you don't really realize it at first because um, the first time hop introduces new characters. So there's no reason to think that it's not happening at the same time as the events you've already seen. But then as it continues, you realize that it's out of sequence. Excuse me. <clears throat> So we meet Peter, our John Cho, who is a real estate agent who, with his wife, um, has gotten bad news about their unborn baby. So it's very, very sad. Um, on the way home from the doctor, Peter stops to get a signature from the Landers to rep the sale of the house. So now this is the first point where we're like, clearly their deaths are unknown at this time. Like we, we don't the Landers um, either they haven't died or we don't know that they're died yet because this guy is there as a, as their mm -hmm. real estate agent yeah. to get signatures. And he's like, I have to go get their, he like mentions them by name. Yeah. 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 Like, I have to go get, go get their signatures really quick. So, yeah. and he, he says closing yeah. papers. So it's like closing because they've just bought it or closing because they're selling it. We're not sure, but right. you know, she's so kind of piecing it together. Yeah. But, um, no one answers. Um, he calls in through the unlocked door and we see um, upstairs that he's awakening a drowned girl in this nasty bathtub full of putrid water. Um, and she gifts us with the same noise that we heard from the girl at the opening of the film, the like rasping yeah, sound. Yeah. Um, but finding no one at home, Peter leaves. Uh, but in the shower that night at home, there's a zombie hand in his hair. I mean, who hasn't had that happen, right? I think it's helpful. Yeah, they're just, they're massaging. They're really trying to work the lather. Sometimes you just have to get your hand, your scalp scrubbed. Yep. It can be relaxing. It saves you from having to rinse and repeat. You know, you get it all done at once. I would, I would always take a zombie hand rubbing my shoulder, honestly. For real. You saw me being like, rub my shoulder. You're like, I'm tense, zombie hand. Um, and that night also, he awakens in the middle of the night to see a zombie girl at the foot of his bed. So um, yeah. Peter is starting to be, um, what is it? Uh, Infestate. It was infestation, oppression, and possession. Infestation, <clears throat> maybe. Is it? It's like yeah. So this is like the infestation phase where he's yeah. just starting to see Notice things. stuff, right? Yeah. So the next day he returns to the house, and though no one has answered the door on the porch, suddenly he meets Melinda, little girl, um, who is not a zombie in that moment, but does have wet hair and won't speak, and then her nose spontaneously starts oozing blood, which is problematic. Um, so he takes her inside the house, you know, thinking that this is this is just a little girl that the daughter of the couple whose house he's, um, you know, repping. And uh, so he takes them inside and he calls her dad multiple times, but um, doesn't get an answer, obviously, 
because we understand that that dad's dead. Yeah. Um, So, but now, and now we flip back to current times and Muldoon is still digging into the history of the house. She watches a video of Fiona Landers, um, but also open on the side of her laptop screen behind that video is a photo of Peter and his wife. So we're now starting to understand that there with the history of the house that Muldoon is exploring, Peter and his wife are a part of it too. Mm -hmm. We just haven't seen what actually happens to them yet. Right. Um, Then Muldoon goes in the bathroom to splash water on her face and she gets her head plunged and held under the water um, by a shadow that's appeared behind her. Um, And then when she finally breaks free, the shadow is gone. So she's starting to experience some infestation as well. Really, though, um, let's all raise our hand. How many of us fill our sink with water and just splash our face? Yeah. If I'm going to splash water on my face... I just turn the faucet on and I splash water on my face. For my hands? Yeah. Like, do you fill your... I do not. I do not fill my... Because I'm a Californian and I conserve water. <laughs> Is that a Midwestern thing? I mean, they're in Pennsylvania, so... Is that a Pennsylvania? Who the fuck knows? Maybe. <laughs> Sorry. Anyway. Very dramatic. No, I noticed that that happens in, like, a lot of scary movies. Yeah. And I'm yeah. like, who does that? <laughs> well, it's be- because those people have a fundamental desire to be drowned by a ghoul. <laughs> and ghouls. I do not. Little ghouls. <laughs> ghouls. Okay. okay, so now we flip-flopped back to 2005 when Lorna Moody, who was our body that was found in the car rotting, um, she's first visiting the Mathesons, who are both alive. Uh, Mrs. Matheson, her fingers are intact. Mr. Matheson is not rotting in a lazy boy. They are alive. And Lorna Moody has been called to assist in Mrs. Matheson's assisted suicide at the beckoning of her husband. Um, Mrs. Matheson is sick. Uh, They moved into the house to be closer to her doctors. But after moving into the house, she got worse. I mean, Uh, who who, who could have guessed that would happen? Mm -hmm. So um, Lorna's visit, she's evaluating if Mrs. Matheson is competent to participate in assisted suicide. Because we know that, like, legally, if you're the kind of person that does that, you know, she has the criteria. She needs to be of sound mind and body and she needs to be physically capable of Basically, for lack of a better phrase, pulling the trigger herself. She needs to do all of the actions herself so that it is suicide and and it can't legally be interpreted as murder. I think it's like legal, legal, legal. But also, like, if she's wanted, is that is that like uh, I'm confused. Was she she was was it federal? She was wanted by the feds. Yeah, it was the or, FBI that was. And, and, then, and that's probably just because she's been doing it across state lines. And that's what that's what make it okay. a federal case. So I was like wondering what. What was that about? But anyway, so. Yeah. Um, so uh, Lorna quickly learns that Mrs. Matheson is definitely not of sound mind and body to participate in her assisted suicide as she sits on the edge of the bed and plays peekaboo with a little girl that only she can see, mm-hmm. who she names as Melinda, who oh. we know is the lander's daughter that um, Peter earlier met on the house with the, or on the steps with the bloody nose and, and all that. So this is, this is Melinda again. So Lorna um, says that she won't assist in the suicide, but she agrees to stay and provide support to Mr. Matheson. I mean, maybe, maybe she thought he was kind of good looking. I don't know. They do end up getting kind of close a little bit later. Well, she's like, I feel like she just feels bad for them. Yeah, and she's, and like, she's okay, yeah, she's you know, definitely like, a kind and caring person. And she, it seems like she traveled to get there and all that yeah. stuff. And so she's, she's like, like, I don't okay. want to drive all the way back to Poughkeepsie tonight. Right. Uh, 
Okay, so then Lorna goes to the store um, for dinner supplies, uh, and at the store, she's kind of stalked by Melinda. There's We see Melinda kind of lurking and haunting her, and she has some creepy experiences. Um, and then when she returns to the house um, and she gets out of the car, there's a man, an actual real live real man, standing on the lawn staring at the house in the pouring rain. Um, it turns out that it is Goodman's old partner, Wilson, who he had already um, referred to earlier, who was obsessed with the Landers case. So at this point in the timeline is when he, you know, the Landers case has happened. This new couple has moved into the house where the Landers murder-suicide occurred, and he is just so obsessed that he, he can't, just... like, shake it. Yeah, mm-hmm. so he just occasionally goes and stands there and stares at the house. Mm-hmm. So Mr. Matheson, already familiar with this and knows what's going on, knows who Wilson is, calls Goodman, who comes and picks Wilson up. Um, And as he's driving him away in the car afterward, Wilson shoots himself in the face. Right. This guy is also the actor. He's super recognizable. Um, (sighs) Jesus. Okay, I get it. It's true. (laughs) No, no, but I recognized him because he's in one of my favorite movies from like the 90s. He was was one of the convicts in Shawshank Redemption. Yeah, and it's funny because... Oh, well, he's a much older and... um, Yeah, his face has changed changed. a lot. Like, he's he's a lot more jowly now, obviously. Like, his face was very narrow and chiseled back in the 90s. Because I did the same thing where I like... I was looking at his features and I was like, I kind of... But I thought I, I was like, no, that can't be him because he does look really different. But yeah. it's just because I mean, it's been it many like years since we've seen him. Since uh, that yeah. movie, but um, anyway, just he's um, just really haunted and can't let go, and and he's like keeps bothering these poor people with a sick wife and yeah. uh, showing up on their doorstep all the time and like harassing them. So her husband's just like, okay, he's here yep. again. He's here Go again. Ahead. Come get your partner. Exactly. Um, okay. So now we're back to modern day. Muldoon is still digging and is experiencing more and more incidents of her like personal haunting or infestation. She decides to go to visit Wilson at the psychiatric hospital because, you know, he shot himself in the face, but it, I mean, he didn't kill himself, mm-hmm. but he was, you know, obviously he was, um, uh, locked up isn't isn't the phrase uh, um, institutionalized in, that's the word I was looking for institutionalized yeah. after that point um, and when we see him I, I called it Mason Verger face since we just did Silence of the Lambs like the um, the makeup that they did on his face because obviously he fucked his face up royally putting a bullet through it and yeah. so um, the scar tissue on his face and how it affects the way he can speak and everything is very similar to what they did with Gary Oldman as the Mason Verger character in the Hannibal movie mm-hmm. um, so Wilson asks Muldoon if she found his tapes and she's like huh? Um, and he tells her, once you step into the place where they die, it never lets you go. And he actually says that the house is grudged. Um, he says that he can tell she's been inside the house and tells her that she'll start see if she hasn't started seeing them yet. She will soon. Um, and that maybe they should tear their eyes out so that they can't see anything. And she's like, yeah, cool. I'm going to head out. Um and then after she so leaves, she's like, nah, yeah, she's like, that. you know what? I'm a, I'll think about it. Good, good suggestions. I like your suggestions. There's no bad ideas. We're just, we're just running up the flagpole to see you who know, salutes. We're throwing spaghetti on the wall. Yeah, see if it sticks. It sticks. 
Um, but so she leaves and, and uh, she, as she gets to the car, she hears an alarm sound inside the institution. And it turns out that Wilson went ahead and did try to call his own eyes out uh, and now is uh, receiving medical attention for oh said affliction. Gosh, yeah, it's pretty, pretty upsetting. Yeah. So then after that, Muldoon does find Wilson's tapes. Um, she listens to them and she learns that Wilson started seeing things after going into the Rayburn house um, mm-hmm. after the Landers case. Uh, he also traced the um, phenomenon back to Tokyo. He found out from a detective there that a, that um, there was a house in Tokyo that was the site of many unexplained murders and that Fiona Landers had worked at that house. The Japanese detective actually told Wilson that he believed it was a Juan. And so that's when we, we hear that term for the first time. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, that um, Wilson figured out that Fiona Landers must have brought the curse home with her. <clears throat> So uh, down in the record room, I think, is the next really scary scene um, where the haunting of Muldoon escalates. Yeah, it's yeah. crazy. Because the basically the specters that we're seeing um, are the... Uh, the the Landers family, the father, the mother, and and the little girl. And we're seeing, so far, we've seen mostly the little girl. In this scene, we start to see a lot more of the father and the way that they, um, the effects that they use, the way that they um, made him appear when um, he is appearing to Muldoon um, are, is very, very frightening. And she, you know, she sees him on a security tape and then she sees him in person with the flashlights and the jump scares and then she goes back to the tapes and he's not there anymore and she's like, oh my God, I'm going crazy. Yeah, um, and, and for people who don't know what this actress is, like her body type, she's kind of like very slight. She's, she's very slight, very yeah. slim. Um, she seemed very capable and, and, you know, okay taking care of herself. Yeah, but tough. Also, yeah, tough. But, um, also... You know, she could be thrown across the room. So yeah, um, you kind of are, yeah, you just be, feel like worried for her. Yeah, and the the actor uh, or the character of Mister Landers is a kind of like a big hulking man. Yeah, he's and, pretty imposing. And, yeah, mm-hmm. so that whole sequence of events when she's alone down in this records room at the precinct, um, in the bathroom, walking through the room, the lights going out, her flashlight, him appearing, him disappearing, the the video cameras, all of that scene, I thought was. was was a pretty pretty well done frightening sequence. Mm-hmm. Um, so now we're jumping back in time again to when Peter, our John Cho real estate agent character, is still stuck at the house with young Melinda because he is unable to reach the parents and he's not going to leave this little girl here with this you know perpetually bloody nose like just alone all by herself. Yeah, right. Yeah. So he keeps calling them and he's calling his wife to say I'm still here. I can't get a hold of them. Blah blah. And then blah. at one point I'm like, when you when will you call the police? Exactly. Exactly. You know, like. Okay, but you know, then again, I'm watching this movie and I can't be like, well, the movie should be over, so call the cops. <laughs> so you know? call the cops. Um, so while he's there, the doorbell rings. He looks through the peephole and sees the back of a dripping head, uh, but no one's there when he opens the door. And then when he returns back um, to the living room, Melinda's gone. So he looks for her throughout the house. He ends up at the bathtub upstairs that is full of putrid water and hands, of course, then jump scare, reach up and grab him from the water. Uh, he tries to escape the house. Um, he does 
does get away from the bathtub, but then he's pursued by Fiona. So this is one of the like first times that we're really seeing the Fiona Spectre um, mm-hmm. present, the adult woman, and she's also very, very scary looking. Um, Extremely violent and rage. Her face face filled with rage. Um, And then this whole, you know, he's hiding in the closet. She appears in the closet um, and it it just kind of leaves it like unknown what the resolution was. Uh, But then Peter returns home later and kills his wife with a pair of scissors. So, I know. yeah, his wife was like, hey, hey, what, what's what's, go, what's what, going on? What, what you hey, doing there? Hey, what, 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 you, what you got in oh, your hand? Scissors? Uh, hello? Hi? Hi? Is C- everything OK? Um, what are, you, are you cutting a ribbon for a present for me? Yeah. Yeah. Is this, <laughs> is this a ceremonial ribbon cutting? Are you, you know, um, and so no, that it's, it's uh, so sad. It's sad. It's really she, sad, especially because she yeah. was she was pregnant. She was visibly pregnant. Not that that's, you know, better or worse than killing a non-pregnant woman. But um, and it, she they had found out that her child, but they were like going to have a lot of issues. And yeah, um, there was a medical diagnosis yeah, that was really painful for them. Yeah. And she's like, wait, he was like kind of trying to dive into his work. To, I feel like to avoid a little bit. And she just wanted to kind of hash it out, like talk. Yeah. What, their future would look but like. But they were really but, like united in that, like their their pain and their fear, but also their desire to have a family. Like they yeah. they were really really connected. Yeah. Uh, so until her, this happened, so and it was she was really like sad. in some some major grief, and and you just I just kind of just felt bad. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, that that's that's, that's fucked up. That sucks. Um. So that scene ends with the image of her body lying on the floor in the kitchen, just in this giant pool of black blood, and then um. Uh, Peter's body after he's drowned himself in the bathtub. So like kneeling in their bathroom, like head under um, a bathtub full of water. So that was unfortunately the end of, of that pair. Um, <clears throat> so now we're jumping ahead from that point in time, but not all the way to current day to Lorna um, and the Mathesons. So after a nice dinner together, um, Lorna, our assisted suicide person, in case people are having a hard time keeping track of all these names, um, she awakens in the middle of the night, follows sounds to Mrs. Matheson's bedroom, and she sees Mrs. Matheson being attacked by Fiona's specter, mm-hmm. um, which is like, it's pretty shocking. And she screams. Um, Mr. Matheson wakes up and, and comes to her. And then the two of them end up, you know, having a conversation in the kitchen and bonding over the belief that the house is haunted, but Mr. Matheson is kind of interpreting this in almost a positive way that, like, after we're gone, we stay connected, um, mm-hmm. and we and we get to um, continue to uh, be together even after death. Um, and so it's all very touching until the next morning when Lorna's packed her bag and she's preparing to say goodbye, and she finds Mrs. Matheson in the kitchen chopping off her fingers with the kitchen knife. Um, after having killed Mr. Matheson with a fork, he's laying on the kitchen floor with a fork in his neck, surrounded by blood. So Lorna, and she's like, "He wanted to kill me." Yeah, and and she's absolutely right. Yeah. He hired someone to come assist in her suicide. She's not wrong. She's like, no. I'm and then her, the note that I put was Lynn Shay's laugh, the oh. laugh that she did in She's that like, moment yes. was so freaky, just Haunting. like, yeah, oh, oh, it just made your skin crawl. It was so beautiful and perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, so Lorna races away from the house, but obviously she's like, uh, she's like oh, fuck this shit. Um, ultimately, I'm going to jump into uh, my Taurus and get the fuck out of here. <laughs> my Taurus. Let me get out of here. Um. So, of course, she ends up in the car accident, um, 
caused uh, by Mr. Landers in the car, his apparition in the car with her. Um, and that's the accident that she's later found dead in the vehicle. So yeah. that, that kind of ties into that. it's a chunk of time before they find. Because it kind of went, it, it, it veered off into kind of nature where it's, you wouldn't yeah, really yeah, nobody, see. Yeah, it, it was in an area where it didn't get found for a long time. It was yeah. like, road closed, don't go this way. And she's like, mm. ah, crash. Yeah. 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 So. Okay. So now we get the extra little bit of info that after all this happened, that Mrs. Matheson ended up in a hospital herself um, after uh, Detective Muldoon found her, found the dead husband. Um, the police got involved at that point. Mrs. Matheson was obviously put in the hospital. Um, we see her there wheeling in her wheelchair and then climbing up the stairwell and then jumping to her death down the stairwell while Melinda watches. Yeah. So that was another scene that was just like... It was very, uh, like, matter of fact. Like, they didn't actually try to make that scene very haunting or spooky no. or suspenseful. It was just she like... She just seemed like she had a, like, this is what I'm going to yeah, do. Yeah, this is my task. This is this is my job for this afternoon. Here I go. Look, we go. And as she was wheeling herself, they're like, hi, Mrs. Matheson. Hi. Yeah. Hi. Hi. Hey, hi, hi, there. Hey, there. Like, and she gets nurses and orderlies. Hello, Mr. Matheson. She's, like, just wheeling, totally, totally wheeling, normal. wheeling, wheeling. And then splat. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> so um, after that Muldoon's experiences with the spirits continue and she now realizes that she's a danger to her son Burke mm -hmm. um, like all the others had oh, become poor guy. yeah so I haven't mentioned Burke a lot like he was obviously we were introduced to him at the very very beginning of the movie and he's been present obviously throughout um, but this is the point where she recognizes that all these other people that have been plagued by these spirits have become a danger to their family to their loved ones and she doesn't want to let that happen to her son. Um, and so she comes up with a plan to stop all of this, to stop the cycle, to stop the Juon, basically. Um, and she puts Burke in the car. She drives to the house on Rayburn. She makes Burke promise not to leave the car. And then she goes inside the house and starts dousing the house in gasoline. So this is very much like Sinister 2 attitude of like, if we just burn the haunted places down... Well, yeah. I can't be haunted anymore, right? Because they don't exist. Mm. So that's the strategy that she's going with. So she's spreading gasoline all over the house. And as she does so, she's seeing Fiona's ghost showing her all of the murders. First, she shows her um, the murder of her husband. So it's kind of out of order. Because when it shows Fiona murdering her husband, he is like, he's screaming at her and shaking her because he has just seen that that Fiona's killed their daughter. And he's like, what did you do? How could you do that? And then Fiona kills him. Mm -hmm. Then it goes back to showing her drowning her daughter in the bathtub. Um, and then finally it shows Fiona killing herself. So all the while that Muldoon is, is trying to get this house ready to fucking go up in flames. She is surrounded by and being not attacked by, but kind of assaulted by the images of all the horrible, the horrible murders that happened in the house. Um, and so as she finishes with the gas downstairs, uh, her son Burke shows up inside the house and is trying to stop her. He's saying, Mommy, what are you doing? I don't understand yeah. what's and going on. And she asked him to wait in the car. Um, yeah. And she'd she like, promise me you don't leave the car. And he's like, OK, I promise. Okay. But there yeah. he is in the house. And she's like, oh, shit. But also because she knows that stepping into the house kind of infects you in a way. And so mm -hmm. obviously she's not thrilled that he's in there at all. Mm -hmm. And obviously she's trying to burn the place down. And so they had had this little thing that they had um, done earlier in the movie of like, what do we do when we're scared? We close our eyes and count to five. And so, um, 
you know, this, when Burke is talking to her, like, what are you doing? Um, she says, you know, oh, what do we do when we're scared? And he doesn't say anything. And she's like, like a blank look on yeah. his face. And she's like, what do we do when we're scared? And then you can hear her voice change. And she's like, what do we do when we're scared? So she's realizing that this is not actually her son, that this is the mm-hmm. spirit impersonating her son to try and stop her from what she's doing. Um, so she burns that shit down. <laughs> yeah. She's like, I'm going to set your ass on fire, fake Burke. Yeah, you're going to burn, bitches. Um so, yeah. And then, you know, she runs out of the blazing house. Burke is out there safe and sound. They embrace, you know, happy ending. Um, it's a morning, uh, you know, at some point afterward, she's sending Burke off to school on the school bus. Um, but as she's hugging him goodbye in the hallway, put dot, 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 we see over her shoulder, Burke heading out the distant front door with his backpack saying, bye, mom, mm-hmm. while she's hugging Burke. She's like, rut row. <laughs> And so she draws back from whatever it is she's hugging, and it's Melinda, not Burke. And then Fiona appears behind her, drags Muldoon away, and then we just get the peaceful exterior of the house and silent closing mm-hmm. credits. And that yeah. is The Grudge the 2020. Grudge 2020. So, Meredith, did you think that this was scary? Um I really liked it, actually. So <laughs> That's not what I asked. <laughs> I, I thought it was scary. Yeah, for sure. I, especially when she's in the basement doing it, like listening to the tapes and diving more into the story, the history of everything. And then, um, you know, being, you know, figuring out that she's in, she's in some deep shit, basically. Like, and what is she going to do? And then having that entity basically haunting her and... Mm. One uh, another police officer comes in and she's like, oh, it was on the tape. Like, look, and then mm. it's not there. And she's like, oh, my gosh. And she's kind of probably wondering, is she losing her own mind? Mm. Like um, her, um, her current, I can't remember her current partner, but the guy Golden, who's, yeah, Golden, his, um, the, guy who, the guy who's in the um, oh, Wilson, asylum, right? Wilson. So she's like, am I heading down this path too? And yeah. my child only has me. So how do I you know, get out of this basically. Yeah. And, and, uh, she, she, cause you can see that this is kind of really impacting her because he just lost her dad, his own, his father. And mm-hmm. it's obviously really, um, traumatizing and right. it's a huge loss and this grief. And so she's trying to be present, but also earn a living for her child. And so you just feel for them. And I felt, I, We'll say really quickly that when I went and go, I suggested this movie and then later looked at the reviews and stuff and people just shit all over it. Really? It ha- it's I like, didn't look at any reviews. Yeah. It's like 20% fresh or 18 really? and people were saying this is dog shit. That and doesn't make any sense. So I watched this cold only seeing a trailer uh-huh. maybe and then being like, oh, I really want to watch this. And it was like kind of during the shutdown and stuff. And I, I watched it with really a low expectations yeah. because I had seen all of the movies. I'd seen all of them. And then there was a straight to video one, oh, no. um, <laughs> which was very, very bad. And, you know, back when it was released. And then so I, I came into this not expecting much. Yeah. And but then I saw the cast and I was like, this has to be probably You're like, look at all these incredibly this, recognizable yeah, people, so many recognizable <laughs> people. But um, I was expecting hopefully something good but i didn't get my hopes up in other words but and i and i was like oh this is this is good i i thought i felt like i felt like it was really solid nervous i was like oh you know uh uh it made me feel anxious you know it 
this it's hard to have find a movie that makes me feel like that yeah so that's why i suggested this movie because i was like it made me it, it made me nervous and mm-hmm. a little scared and not where I was like jumping into laps and screaming. <laughs> but, I mean, um, you, you have your standards. I have your self respect. But I, I liked it, so I, I thought it was definitely scary, yeah. and uh, I loved the, um, these, the John Cho parts where he's with, he's just like, what's going on with this kid, um, and the history of the house and and all that, and I saw the movie. The original in the theater that in 2004. So mm-hmm. I've, I've liked this franchise um, for a long, long time. So yeah. that's, um, you know, why I wanted to talk about it. But mm-hmm. uh, did you find it was scary? Did you think it was scary? Um, I did. Yeah. Like, I'm glad that I decided to stop um, doing my recap um, and just just watch it. Because I know that if I had continued watching it interrupted... The way that I would have, um, like disjointed. Yeah. Yeah. It would have taken me out of all of the, all of the really scary moments. And, and there were, like I had mentioned, like a couple of, of scenes like Lin Shay's first appearance, uh, Muldoon in the basement. And also, like you said, like John Cho, um, when he, when his character comes home, um, after being basically possessed mm-hmm. and, um, the whole, and it's a very brief period of time, like one or two minutes with him and his wife and you don't see him kill her. Mm-hmm. Um, but that, that scene was very frightening. So I think that they, they can created a very, uh, frightening storyline. And I think that what they did with the, the timeline of jumping back and forth kind of kept your focus and kept mm-hmm. you, like you you needed to be on your toes you needed to be paying attention and you were kind of trying to actively piece things together so every new scene that began you had to be like oh okay so this is before that happened or this is after that happened okay now we're back here um and so i think that that you know heightened the engagement that Mm -hmm. you had in the story um which for some people that might not be desirable, you know, they, they don't, they don't want to have to think (laughs) when they're watching a a horror movie. Um, but I feel like it, it, it made you more engrossed in the story. Um, and so it made it more enjoyable for me. Um, so I, yeah, I think, I think that it was pretty scary. I'm actually really, really surprised that it had such a low Rotten Tomatoes score. And I would be Mm -hmm. curious to, to like read some of the reviews that, that pulled it down to see what it was that their complaint was about it. Yeah, I I mean a lot of it was like it was like this is already done. Well, whatever. I mean, I mean oh, yeah. But on a lot of movies it was already done. I um I really thought it was cool going back and forth. But the 2004, I mean, the Sarah Michelle Gellar one does that a little bit too. They go back yes. a little bit to before and what happened and mm-hmm. all that stuff. But I felt like it was kind of interesting because our detective with wit in fact she came to this place. She's new, and she found they they go to this crime scene where it's a um, a car where someone has has died in it. Mm-hmm. And as she's learning more, you get to go back further, go back further, and then yeah. you find out more and more about like what had happened in the house and and all that. And then you get more context. Yeah, um, I mean, not to overly so inflate it, it, but it's kind of like yeah. like a usual suspects editing style. It kind of reminded me of that. It just seemed kind of. Smart? Like everything's Hon- like, honestly, I felt like it was smart and yeah, because essentially you it. had you had three different timelines running. You had the the current day with Muldoon. You had, I guess the 
the earliest time, well, no, the er- I guess you had four. The earliest timeline you had was Fiona in Tokyo coming home. Then the next one you had was uh, John Cho, Peter, um, you know, trying to sell the house or participating in the purchase or the sale of the house um, right around when the Landers family died. Then you had the Mathesons when Lorna was there. Yeah. And then you had Muldoon in like, in like current day. Mm-hmm. And so it was... Um, I don't know. I, I like that about it. And you, you pointed out that that's the um, 2004 version um, did the same thing in terms of hopping around in timelines. And, and what I will say is I had not I'd never seen the original the to originally I'm trying not to say original because I know the Japanese film was the original the American. version. Yeah, the American original. Mm-hmm. Um, I had never seen that either because and I think I've said this on here before that um when I first saw The Ring, it scared me so bad that briefly I, yes, me, said, I'm never watching another scary movie. <laughs> uh, and so there was a couple years after there with like some movies came out and I did not see You're them. Like, not for me. I was like, I'm done. I'm rom-coms all the way from here on out. Aww. Bring me all of your Blake Lively. What would happen if you'd stuck to your guns? God knows. We you'd would not have missed this podcast. So I would have missed so much. Um, but anyway, yeah, right. so that's why I didn't see um, the American original when it first came out and then after that just and it you know, was definitely no. in the same wheelhouse yeah it, it was it, and that was another later. another red flag because i knew how much the ring had scared me and i knew yeah. that this was another remake of a japanese original and it brings it it brings so the here's the guns. thing <laughs> i watched the 2004 movie this afternoon i fucking hated it oh really i hated it i thought it was stupid and not scary at all Oh man! So, so like, wait, so you I like, don't know what to say about that. Well, maybe you felt like the the twenty twenty version was a lot. It's best. possible, like watching mm-hmm. watching them out of sequence. But then, even I think in my mind, I was I wasn't comparing it to the twenty twenty version. I was comparing it to the Ring because mm-hmm. that was its contemporary stylistically and in terms of the time frame that it was made. And it just wasn't. It wasn't as scary. It wasn't anywhere near as scary as the ring oh i love the ring yeah Yeah. and so i I mean i agree yeah there was like i i think that in the the sarah michelle geller story um you know you had this thing that was it was a whole like a family of three so but you were only haunted by the mother character and the son character Mm -hmm. and the mother made the rasping sound the son meowed (laughs) um but the the son character it was used it was kind of creepy in the way that he was used mm-hmm. um similar to how melinda in the new one was where she wasn't really the terrifier she wasn't an aggressor she just sort um, of there she was just creepy um and and upsetting uh, admittedly um but in in the 2004 version the mother character was was the was aggressive was yeah. violent was angry and she's supposed to be very frightening and i feel like the first moment in the 2004 one where they showed her she was very scary when the first time that the yoko character like goes up into the attic and sees her like mm-hmm. that moment was scary but all the points after that i don't know if it was I mean, because the effects were uh, so-so. Yeah. You know, they weren't what they would be now, but they weren't, I mean, it wasn't laughable, but it was like early 2000s special effects. I don't know how much they had in their budget. Mm-hmm. Um, but there were some parts of the special effects that looked kind of hokey. And after a couple of times seeing the mother's um, face or, or character as a specter, um, 
I was just like, I'm not fucking scared of that. Like, this is stupid. And the, um, you know, the, the, the way that they wove the timeline, I feel like was, was, was well done, mm-hmm. um, between again, cause you had like the modern time of Sarah Michelle Geller coming in at kind of the end of the storyline and there was her and there was the detective. Um, but then they jump back and it's like the family of the old lady that bought the house and moved her there. And then what happened to them? Um, I thought that that, that part was well done. I think it was that in, in the 2004 one that the, Parts that were supposed to be scary, the the woman and the little boy, I did not find scary. They just didn't. Yeah, they didn't. Yeah. They didn't do it for me. Yeah. Um, funny enough, there is a movie. I think it's a movie, but I could be mistaken, or a show, but some sort of form of media in <laughs> Japan where the ring and the grudge kind of intertwine. That's awesome. That the, I would love to those. see that. So I was like, that's kind of interesting. I yeah. like I wouldn't I wouldn't be mad about that <laughs> to, to watch that. But I I mean I I do feel the same way. I, I really loved uh the ring. I liked the Japanese version. I loved the uh, the American version um with Naomi Watts. Mm-hmm. Uh, I liked the American sequels, Ring 2 yeah. and then the Rings, plural. I thought the, that that well, was really Gore, good. Gore Verbinski, who did the Ring, was he's a very good, he's great. He's an he's amazing. He's just Pirates of the Caribbean. He's awesome. So <laughs> it's, um, it was really great. And then I, I saw The Grudge and I thought, I was like, oh, I felt like uh, it was entertaining. I didn't feel scared okay. or like a feeling of dread. Yeah. And, this movie, the 2021, mm-hmm. I felt dread like when I was watching it. Yeah. So I was like, this is, ugh, oh my gosh. It was and, a different, yeah. it was a different animal. Totally different, um, different experience. You know, Sarah Michelle Geller and her boyfriend, they're just like some college kids and you're like, I hope they're okay. But then you see uh, a detective and she's just like dealt with this grief, this loss of her husband and a little boy who is going to be basically all alone if anything yeah, so happens much, to his mom. You're so, so much more invested exactly, in them. Exactly. So I, yeah. felt, I felt maybe more, and it could be where I am in my life. I don't know, but I just felt yeah. like anxious. Well, that's what I was so. going to suggest is that if you were watching, if you, like I, were watching The Grudge, the 2004 one for the first time at this point in your life, you mm-hmm. know, how how you would have responded to it as opposed to having seen it when it was new and to in, that, I was in college yeah, yeah. Well, and it was like yeah. it was totally again different. it was I won't want to say it was like a partner piece to the ring but they came out so close together they were both well recognized for being a remake of a Japanese horror film and I feel yeah. like that's when people in in America were first like at, at least um on a on a large scale recognizing that Japanese horror had these like re- incredibly terrifying stories that they were oh. telling yeah, and that yeah. was really because we we've talked about using that as a a theme for I mean I, we talked about for like last summer a summer theme or a month theme or something but like American remakes of Japanese horror because Japanese horror films there are some really fucking scary ones mm-hmm. that um, have been remade in in America into you know with varying levels of success so obviously right. the ring was very very frightening I thought the forest was really scary I thought Shutter was pretty decent. Um, but yeah, with this, this, the grudge, if I had seen it when it first came out, I probably would have thought it was quite scary. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but yeah, this time around, and then maybe it was because I had just watched the 2020 version. I was like, this is a pile of crap. This is a big steaming <laughs> pile of crap. You, you can put Bill, Bill Pullman in it all day long 
It, I, I be like, eh. It's still not going to win me over. And normally Bill Pullman will do it for me. <laughs> I love Bill Pullman. I fucking Give love Bill Pullman. Pullman. Well, no, I know that The Ring, the success, did it did lead to the remake of The Grudge in, in the States. Yeah. So, and, um, like, kind of got the ball rolling on that. I've read that a few times when I was doing... Was, was The Ring the first, here. like, you know, high-profile remake of a Japanese horror here? I want to say yes, but I may be incorrect, but I'm pretty sure. Yeah. I mean, it has to have been, like, the the first major one. Like, maybe yeah, not the first and it ever, so well, but it's so well. And obviously, it's so, it's so good. So, um, so they did that, and then, then there was a slew of other ones, you know, The Grudge, yeah. and then they did the second one, which is actually not so Oh, yeah, bad, I was going to so. ask, like, because there's <laughs> there's me. two sequels. There's Grudge 2 and 3. 3 was, like, straight to DVD. <laughs> yeah. The second one was... Um, the premise was the Karen, her um, her sister went, who's actually played by Amber Tamblin, who was in the ring also. Yes. Yeah. So she is um, asked, kind of demanded. It's demanded by her mother uh, to go get her sister. She's like she her mom. Their mom is sick, and she's like it has to be you to go mm. and get Karen. So she goes, and then Karen, um, she's not doing well. She's in asylum, and basically she's being infested by this entity from the the Grudge. Right. Um. And then um, she ends up kind of getting all intertwined in it also. So I don't want to, I mean, I don't know if I should spoil the second one, but um, it doesn't, it's not good. No. But um, just don't say hilarity ensues because then your son will watch it expecting an Adam Sandler movie. No, but the grudge, the curse makes it way, makes its way to Chicago. Oh. And um, because some schoolgirls end up going as kind of a, like a little jaunt uh, prank on one of the girls who's kind of more shy, timid. And it's kind of, I think it's like uh, international school. So she's, she's there, this girl who's an American from Chicago and she's super, super timid. And they, they're like, we're going to go to like one of the most haunted houses in Tokyo. So let's go. And she's like, okay. And then like they shove her into the closet of the grudge house and they, and they make her, Stand there, and then she sees the girl, the woman, yeah. ghost entity, kind of peek her head down from under, from the basement, uh, and she's like, lo- she's screaming, losing her shit, like anybody was. She's trying to get out, and then she, they're obviously inflicted with this curse. The yeah. her and the two other bullies, the girls, all of them. Um, yeah. So she ends up um, things that happen to the other girls um, as. You know, because they don't last long when mm-hmm. they're they, when they're haunted like this, and the last remaining girl ends up going back to Chicago, and she her parents take her home, and she's super like very very on edge. She's kind of like a scared puppy dog in a way, mm-hmm. like wearing her hood on her her um, head and like not really talking. And this curse kind of makes its way, infiltrates their apartment building. Okay, so it's not good. It's, it's I mean. <laughs> I thought it was interesting, but um, I was like, yeah, it's fine. Yeah. You know, not the worst sequel ever, but not really. Yeah. Not really great, but. Um, have you seen the Japanese original, the Jion? I did, but it was so long ago. Okay. It was, it was probably, and I'm not going to be like, oh, it was cool. I watched it before the American version. I didn't. I watched, <laughs> I watched um, the American versions and then the Japanese version. Mm-hmm. Um, but would you recommend it? Because I haven't seen it, but I'm, and I don't know. It's one of those things where if it was a readily available streaming somewhere, like I would totally put it on because I'd be curious. Eh, maybe the original, just Juan, maybe not all the sequels. Because there's, oh, there, there's a lot, a lot of lots. Japanese sequels as well. 
Oh, yeah. There's a ton okay. of sequels of The Ring, too, also. Um, and The Grudge. Okay. Yeah. Well, I, I have to say that I did. I really enjoyed... I'm, I'm glad that we featured this 2020 version and not the original because I really... You'd be like, I, what's this shit? Yeah. I think that <coughs> both Excuse of me. us, if I may be so bold, um, enjoyed the 2020 version more. Yeah, um, and this may have discredited us because people don't like it. I think, you though, know, like, once you've... Once you've um, been invested in a franchise for 20 years yeah. and then something comes along in 2020, you may be like, no, yeah. I don't. Well, and I that's, really you know, like and it. I always say that about like movies that people see as children and become very dear to them as a child. And then they show it to you and you're an adult and you do not get it. You do not see the merit because you didn't experience like it. Focus? Yes, exactly. For, <laughs> for me. Um that you didn't experience it as a child. You don't have the affection for it. You don't have the connection to it that you did because you're seeing it for the first time as an adult. And right. that's um, obviously like incredibly true for horror movies as well, because what scares you as a child versus what scares you as an adult like that, that that changes way more dramatically than like how you would respond to a comedy or yeah. something else. The way you would respond to a horror movie when you were young versus when you're grown is is a, a way bigger gap. Um, and so I think that for me, when I would look at, if you were just kind of, um, scientifically comparing these two films, the, the thing that stands out to me most is the quality of the performances mm -hmm. because no, no shade on Sarah Michelle Geller. Love the girl was not a Buffy, the vampire slayer fan. I did watch all my children. Um, <laughs> Uh, I loved her and I know what you did last summer. Like she had her niche and mm -hmm. she did it well and I love her for it. Um, but in terms of being an actress capable of delivering a, uh, a, a intense, nuanced human performance, I don't know that I've ever really seen her do that. And mm, yeah. the mm. most of the other performers, like, I mean, the 2004 version had like Clea Duvall in it. Like mm -hmm. there was there was quite a few um, actors and actresses in the 2004 version that I did recognize as yeah. opposed to the 2020. Um, <gasps> but it, it was um, the performances were a kind of one note. Like, they were kind of superficial. They were just like, this is me. I'm a human and I'm doing these things. Mm -hmm. Where, like, you described the character of Muldoon in, in this one. Like, we had, there was so much depth to her character and the trauma that she'd experienced losing her husband and her concern for, for protecting her son. And then John Cho's character of he's dealing with this whole, like, uh, deep sadness and concern and conflict with his wife being pregnant and their baby has a diagnosis and do they keep the baby do they not keep the baby they want to start a family like the characters and, and then you know the detective goldman where you know he we didn't even mention it or i didn't mention it but like he had been you know caring for his ailing mother in mm -hmm. his home and she had passed away and he was still linked to that to a point where he hadn't like removed her bed and her medical equipment from his apartment yeah he's and like, so I can't bring myself to move it yeah <laughs> each each character um in the 2020 version 
um, had so much more depth and and intensity and resonance. Um, and I think that that gave the whole um, story, it, it, there was more weight to it. Like you mm-hmm. felt what they were, what they were going through and it seemed more significant and important and impactful, like their pain or their concern. And then naturally their fear, um, was more intense because of that. Whereas yeah. in the 2004 version, it's like, it's the early two thousands. Who gives a fuck? I'm Sarah Michelle Geller. <laughs> like it was just, it was very, I feel like it was very superficial. Mm-hmm. You know, the performances in that. So even if you're, you're taking the element of emotional connection out of it, mm-hmm. um, I, I really I think that the the 2020 version had had more like and it, not to say it was just the performances. It was probably the writing and the directing as well. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the characters meant more and, yeah. and and impacted more, I think, than the characters in the 2004 version. Yeah, I mean, maybe that's just kind of the natural, like, change and, um, you know, horror movies yeah. up to, to now. It's, it's Yeah, like what they think audiences want. Yeah, and then, and, and having actual, um, not to say the actors used in 2004 weren't real actors. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that, but like, presently. Don't get mad, Sarah. No, no, no. Yeah, no, but I'm <laughs> saying a lot of, you know, like, hereditary, you have, like, kind of in a lot like a almost oscar level yeah acting, legit where you're like, just like oh, oh my gosh yeah and you're like geez you really just really thought about this before yeah, you yeah. like showed up you, and you did have, this you have movie. a process don't you you got a fucking yeah. process so i kind of feel like a lot of horror movies are going in that direction so maybe yeah. that's what we like about it too yeah that just kind of um, elevated horror just like taking this seriously and and realizing that people watching it are um, intelligent people who want to be scared, but also want to be, you know, not spoon fed and maybe enjoy the, 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 the story and the characters behind it too. Absolutely. That like, you know, that we're not, not just there for jump scares. Right. um, But that a a, a script and a story and performances and, and characters like all of that, um, should be uh, legitimate too. Yeah, I mean, don't just you know phone it in. Yeah, basically. But I do have some a little blurb from the um, director of this movie. Okay, and it, I thought it was interesting because I kind of it, it was the Japanese director that directed Juon, wasn't it? Oh no, that was no. two thousand four. No, no, yeah, two thousand four no. was directed by the yeah. same guy so that as the director Japanese. Had nothing to do with this one. Okay, so. Um, I mean, it, honestly, it's been 20 years, so maybe he's like, yeah, he's yeah, probably I retired. Don't really want to do that? <laughs> he's like, anyway. I'm just playing so, golf. I have no idea. So, but it said, um, let's see, the latest installments, and I'm gonna, I'm just reading this from a, an article I found. Uh, the latest installment of the American franchise, which began the remake of Juan, The Grudge, is coming, and um, basically, it's confirmed. Even though the new film is called The Grudge, it's not a sequel and it's not a remake. So, uh, and this is in quotes from the director. So Sarah Michelle Gellar is in Japan. She's doing her thing and we know what happens there. Um, and and what's happening in The Grudge, this film mm-hmm. is happening at the same time. Yeah. As the um, Japan in Japan, what's mm-hmm. going on there. So first... So for the people who know the old movies, the American and the Japanese versions super well, they'll see that, that you know, the fun ways that we've connected it all into the mythology and into the story and the storylines that existed 
while also making a totally separate story for all the people who have not seen the Grudge movies. And it will still make sense to to everyone, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought that was interesting. So I kind of, it took me a little bit to realize that, that that was supposed to be happening happening in tandem, kind of. Yeah. Well, while that was happening in 2004 in Japan, um, Fiona, the, the nurse or whatever, she had... Um, killed her family Mm -hmm. um, also and took that curse with her yeah and i think i wonder if she was supposed to be if it was supposed to be the same house that sarah michelle geller was at was fiona there i mean who was fiona caring for because when sarah michelle Mm -hmm. geller left the woman she was caring for had died so someone new must have moved into the house for Fiona to be working there. I'm not sh- I really don't know. They, maybe they didn't get that precise. Maybe it's just muddled a little bit. But yeah, you yeah. see her with like photos of different people and maybe characters from the other movie. But I could be totally off base yeah. there. Um, but then there's also an alternate ending for the 2020 the- version. Ooh. So um, after Muldoon burns the house to the ground, she sees Burke watching her. And then sometime later, the parent is driving on a road toward a new home. Um as they pull into the driveway of the home, they enter, and then the credits roll. So they go to a new home. Okay. And they're fine, mm-hmm. I think. But Or maybe it's supposed to be ambiguous, and Victor obviously would hate that. Right. So. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure where they're going with that, yeah. but they went with this version where it's, like, obvious things don't end well for her either, even though she, like, went to all the trouble of having yeah. gas. Or whatever. <laughs> well, that's the that's the bummer with an it's it's kind of a cop out that a lot of scary movies that I love do is that you know everything builds to a crescendo. There's a final face off showdown with the demon or the killer or whatever, and then you know we you have the, the, hope. the hero yeah the hero <laughs> vanquish it. You know it's a it's a happy ending and everything, and but then they close with a final jump scare that cuts to the credits. And it's like, so it's basically like all everything that they did to tie up and resolve the story that they were telling, they then throw out the fucking window with a final jump scare of just kidding. Here's the demon. Just kidding. Here's the killer. And they they do that. Just I mean, it's a satisfying way to end. People like it. You get that last moment. Everybody's leaving the theater after seeing that. And it's, you know, whatever. Um, But from from a like an artistic, legitimate storytelling standpoint, it kind of fucks the story you just told most of the time. And like, in, I just and in want this, to know if it's, it's yeah, if is it done or is it not? not? And and with this 2020 grudge, it, it it is the same kind of thing because her whole you know she burns down the house for the purpose of destroying the curse, um, and then to have um, Melinda and Fiona appear at her house oppressing her and attacking her um at the close of the film just says okay well she didn't and it's like oh are they setting it up for a sequel or are they doing but it does it does rob you a little what it gives you in satisfaction for like that final scare it robs you in the resolution of the story yeah i mean honestly i love that that actress who plays her so, <laughs> yeah. and I was rooting for her so I was like ah shit like I'd rather them go and drive with her son yeah. to a new house and just live their lives and yeah. can't the grudge stop being a, a shitter for stop once? being a fucking grudge <laughs> I know yeah um and that's you know it's we've talked about this before it's it's hard to end movies 
Um, yeah. I think it's harder to end horror movies than other genres. Uh, comedies don't need a lot. Romantic comedies, they need the couple to get together. Dramas can end any way they fucking want. Action movies end with fiery explosions. Horror movies are really difficult to end. Mm-hmm. Like, what level of satisfaction do you give the viewer? Yeah. What, if to- the master cannot always end books yes if Stephen King can't do it 100% of the time then it must be difficult Uh, yeah Yeah. but he still weaves an insane story amazing stories which we all know but so like I (laughs) I do not at all fault this movie for because it could have chosen to close on you know a shot of her hugging Burke on the lawn of the flaming house and then roll the credits over that that would have worked too Mm -hmm. um but, you know, they they went in this direction, which is not an uncommon direction um, for the close of horror movies. And it's just it's it's a hard call to make. You don't um, you don't know how the audiences are going to respond. And maybe in this scenario, they were trying to, like, le- leave it open to making another one, which is very likely yeah. at some point they will. With these stories, if they can find a script and they'll find a, a film company or producer that will make it, they're going to make another one. Yeah. Um, and we'll probably see it. <laughs> so <laughs> it'll make some money and, and the economy will keep on churning. Um, and the, and that's what horror movies do. But it is. It's not. I don't think that it's an easy task to to end these stories. And so mm-hmm. I, I get that sometimes the ending doesn't doesn't make sense or it ends up not being satisfied. Like they 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 don't give they don't answer all the questions and people like Victor are mad or they do answer mm-hmm. all the questions and people like you are mad. Well, I, th- <laughs> I think a lot of movies are also trying to have like a stomach drop moment. Where yeah. You're like, oh, and I. Uh, let's going back to the ring. One of those stomach drop stomach drop moments that actually worked was when his mom, you know, after her son wakes up and she's like, "Oh, everything is fine. Uh, you know, I took care of it." And mm-hmm. he's like, "Why did you do that?" Yeah. And then he's like, "Why did you, you let her out? You're not supposed to help her." Yeah. And you're like, <gasps> "Now she's out." Shit. Yeah. And she's like, "What are you talking about?" He's like, yeah. "No, no, no. You weren't supposed to do that." And and then that was a stomach drop moment that mm-hmm. was like masterful. Yeah. And they did it so well. So I mean, some attempts work mm-hmm. and some don't. Yeah. And, well, especially yeah, when you're <laughs> seeing scary movies in the theater, like having a final jump scare before the credits roll lets your audience walk out with their adrenaline like, like uh, pumping. Like like the, the final scene of um, Sinister when mm-hmm. Bagul's face like jumps into the frame right before the final I credits and gives you... Yeah, like... Um, just having that moment. <laughs> I'll make you famous again, Daddy. <laughs> yeah. like, oh, shit. It, was, it was masterful, but like truly just from a physiological standpoint of thinking about the humans that are watching your film in the theater, um, having them walk out, having just experienced that reaction of a, of a shock of a, of a scare like that, it, you know, it's probably, it's leaving them with an impression of the movie that they wouldn't get if, if the last moment that they saw in the movie was like a peaceful moment of a mom hugging a son in front of a burning building. Yeah, you're right. So, I mean, it's all, it's all the choices and it's like, who knows, who knows which ones are going to be successful and which ones are going to flop. And it's, this, that's, wasn't, this movie did it's a badly, crap so... Yeah, I mean, I liked it, but you know, well, and you don't know, whatever. like it came out in 2020. I don't know if you remember, but 2020 was fucked. Mm, I thought it was great. 
<laughs> You're like, I'm a big fan. I love staying at home awesome. all the time for 24 hours a day. It was great. Yeah. So, like, all of the people reviewing movies in 2020 were probably angry as shit. They're probably all They grouchy. were like Clorox wiping their cereal boxes. <laughs> they just wanted to go outside. So, yeah. I don't know if that's fair. Yeah. You know, I mean, 2020 was kind of a wash, but, you know, what are you going to do? Yeah. Um. Ooh. So, Parent Corner, I would let Charlotte watch this. Oh, for sure. I mean, it's... it's or any of the movies. Moderately scary. It's not the most terrifying thing in the world, but it doesn't have any of the potentially trigger... I mean, it's it, there's no swearing, there's no sex, there's no nudity, there's not a lot of blood. There's a little bit of blood, but not a lot of gore or violence. Um, the part where Lin Shay chops her fingers off is a little gross. Yeah. Um, but it's not like, like you're seeing people you disemboweled. You your eyes. Yeah. So... Um, so yeah, it's I would say it's like a, a medium level, not not mm-hmm. a beginner scary movie, um, but but maybe a, a medium, a moderate scary yeah. movie for like twelve twelve and up. I would agree. Yeah, yeah I, okay. I would think so. So I love um, how flippant we've gotten with this parent corner. It was so intense and crucial, like when we started three years ago, when like Grace is a little baby watching shit, and now we're like, yeah, I don't know, show them whatever. <laughs> Honestly, who's actually following our directions? I sure hope there's nobody following nobody. our advice. We are not experts. People. I mean, we are teachers. I know, I know we, we are, are paid to instruct students. Yeah, we might have like a few uh, degrees in child development and whatever. But yeah, you know what? Yeah, that doesn't you know, mean we know anything. I don't know. No. <laughs> I talk to my class about scary movies all the time. Like, it's I don't because they're, they're six years old. But yeah, I know. No, I've got them at the perfect age to really like you. You see the ones whose eyes light up about it and you're like oh they get all like, Ooh. you're one of us Ooh, all right. Let me get yes. that. uh so our next um movie is i know katie's excited <laughs> i'm so excited <laughs> nightmare on elm street yes 1984 my whole house i should have actually talked about this instead of just yammering on about, about my school, school. let's hey meredith what's new with you i'm so sorry i i decorated my whole house with uh haunted um haunted like, shit haunted shit halloween yeah. stuff so our house is in the sp- not our front lawn yet. Yeah, um, because we you, don't. You, you people we should know that it's the first week of yet. September. We it's don't want to look too the crazy. The first week of September. I know. So, but our whole living room is all decked out, and I'm very excited. So, um, you know, we're kind of getting into the spooky mood, and Nightmare on Elm Street is certainly yeah. the way to go to to dive into it. So, uh, Katie, you'll will be doing. All right, what? You'll be uh, yeah, you're, you're going to do, do the it. recap of of the Ridge. Yeah, the, and you'll do the, the sequels. Yeah, and I'll I'll cover sequels and remakes. Um Yeah. And I know it's been suggested by our <laughs> listeners, you know, let's talk yeah. about this. So And this is, this fun. was my or, original favorite scary movie franchise when I was like middle school age. This was the yeah. the first one when I first started watching entire series of scary movies. This was my favorite. Um, and so, you know, I've always owned all of them. I've seen them all so many, so many times. Um, and so I'm, I'm very excited to, I mean, I, I feel like we could have made like three episodes out of Nightmare on Elm Street, but they don't mean quite as much to Meredith as they do to me. And so we're just going to do the one and, um, one and done. One one and done. It, it might may be, be a three hours. hour episode. She may <laughs> have to drag me out of here. I might be like gagged. falling asleep and I'm like, just turn just, it off just, when just you're just done talking. <laughs> click the stop button when you're done. Okay. Well, you know, uh, I like talking about this movie. I thought it was fun. It, fun, but like 
interesting, fun to talk I, about. I That's would I absolutely to recommend it to anybody that likes scary movies. I would say before watching the 2004 Grudge, I would say watch this one. I think it's better. Yeah, I um, I like it too. So I might be we might be diving into those movies with my, with Charlotte as we as the spooky season starts. Could be fun. But anyway, uh, thanks for listening. Bye. Right, bye.